Today we are going to be talking more about secret stuff in New Mexico. Well, it's it's a secret to most citizens. Yes. So if you do yeah. a little digging. That's right. This is our first and hopefully one of many monkey episodes. <laughs> Monkeys. <laughs> Monkeys, apes, and primates of all kinds. I'm uh, I'm Ty Bannerman. I'm Nora Hickey. I'm Mike Smith. Yeah, and we are uh, we're going to be delving into the secret history of apes in New Mexico, something that people might not connect to uh, to the land of enchantment, and yet there's a surprising amount of uh, uh, ape related history here. Right. Right. Starting with, uh, you know, as far as I know, the uh, the first. Uh, the first apes brought into uh, New Mexico on a large scale were brought in because of the atomic research mm-hmm. projects and uh, and space flight uh, research. So, um, in fact, several uh, several chimpanzees were brought into Albuquerque in the 1950s um, to uh, to do some experimentation at Kirtland Air Force Base. And uh, Nora has a little bit more mm-hmm. information about that. So, why don't you tell us what you've uh, dug up that's sort of a chimpanzee related. Yeah, so these are some chimpanzees mainly, flying chimps, and Mm -hmm. they came to Kirtland to help out with testing, and particularly with atomic effects. I like that they came to help out. Like They saw a flyer. They were like, you know what? We need to do our part for uh, for another country. Because did they come from Africa, uh, these chimps, or were they raised uh, in captivity in the U.S.? That's a good question. I don't know. But I, originally it, from Africa. <laughs> yeah, yes. I suppose so. So the guys at Kirtland mm-hmm. wanted to test the effects of flying through atomic clouds. Right. And of course, why would you put a human in there because it could be a devastating effect. Right, yeah. So you don't don't want to risk that. So they got these monkeys. um, And it was called Project Bad Boy, which I thought was kind of like a Rihanna song. Okay, Um, yeah, that's a cool name, but I kind of feel like maybe the chimps might have thought they were the bad boys and been ashamed. Do you think? No. (laughs) Okay. I think they just thought, why am I being captured and put in this cage and having all these horrible things done to me? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, yeah and uh, obviously New Mexico uh, at that point would have been uh, pretty much the center of any um, atomic research in the United States due to the uh, the Manhattan Project and the presence of the Los Alamos Labs, mm-hmm. uh, Kirtland Air Force Base, and um, was it Sandia Air Force Base that they called it at that point? Uh, Sandia National Labs, at any rate. Okay, so they had these uh, chimpanzees so, on base, right. and uh, what did they do with and them? So Project Bad Boy established the drone planes, and then the actual flying of the monkeys was called Operation Upshot Not Hole. Upshot dash not hole. Not hole. Yeah. K-N-O-T. K-N-O-T. H-O-L-E. I wonder why. So, and that happened from March 17th to Mm -hmm. June 4th of 1953. 
June 4th of 1953. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they were sending these apes out in, un well, obviously unmanned, but chimped right. airplanes chimped, of some kind. Chimped airplanes. Um, and Remotely guided, I guess? Yeah. Okay. And they made it... Um, they they made the chimps wear clothing, um, protective clothing, and little skull caps. like a little flight suit, like a little flight suit, and a little exactly. skull cap. Yeah, so okay. they could have a little fun with it too. They don't really get into the role <laughs> the, of the <laughs> who was that? The chimps were having fun. Yeah, dressing up these volunteer Probably chimps. Not. <laughs> no, this is our laughter covers up kind of the the inhumanity of it all. Right. <laughs> so right. they they dressed yeah. up these chimps and put them in uh, uh, radio controlled airplanes. Right. And where'd they fly them? So they flew out in over the sort of towards the Arizona border. Okay. Um, you know, where there's great expanses of yeah. sort of the no man's land. And the interesting thing is that most, you know, did it and came back, but okay. it's thought, though it's not clear, that a few planes might have been lost. Oh. So okay. one of the planes Well hold on. Okay. Before we get to that, I, I'm a little unclear. Are they flying through uh, nuclear tests? Yes. Okay, so they're so flying through, through or above a mushroom right. cloud. I mean, they're right. they're setting off an atomic bomb. Oh my god! And then sending chimpanzees to fly through the cloud above the Arizona border to see what kind of effects it has on them. And they wear little flight suits and little skull caps because they're dressed like little Air Force men. So, right. so while these tests are going on. Chimpanzees are flying around through <laughs> clouds and airplanes. It's so horrible, but also very surreal. Okay, and then yeah. not only that, but you're saying that some of them got lost. Yes. So it looks like there were eleven nuclear test shots. Okay. In all during this time period, really, the little monkeys mm. flying around. <laughs> um, okay. So most got back fine. You know. And who knows about the effects of that? Yeah, yeah. Did they, were they able to determine that flying above a nuclear explosion is bad for you? Or I think so, well, though it seems a little discovery. bit thin on the results. Oh, okay, you'd probably have to read, read the research paper right. about yeah. it to find out for sure. But yeah. this, is what, this is where it gets weird. This is where it gets weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, in 1953, May... 21st. May 21st, 1953. UFO enthusiasts might know this date by heart, but this was the Kingman, Arizona UFO sighting. Okay. So this guy comes across a little plane, um, and there's a little figure in it, but it's kind of incinerated. Oh, God. He could, But he could make out a skull cap and little clothes. Oh, my but God. He said it had a small mouth and a nose and eyes. So Okay. It was recognizable to some degree, and he As he thought it was an alien. He thought it, so. He found a little tiny plane mm-hmm. in the desert. Mm-hmm. He found this thing crashed, huh? Yeah, and incinerated with a a charred alien corpse in it. Right. Um, so what happened then? Did they like? So what happened to the wreckage? So the wreckage. Um, that's a good. I, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Well, presumably they, somebody came along and scooped yeah, it up, right? Right. Huh. And, and it has been, it was re-brought out in the 70s because these big UFO guys right. knew the guy who found it. And so, like, they reopened the case. So this is kind of a famous mm-hmm. UFO case? Yeah. I think because of the presence of a body. Yeah. Yeah. And you're saying it wasn't, in fact, an alien. So now, with these documents of this 
mm-hmm. atomic testing. And so these became the, released, I yeah. guess, at some point mm-hmm. along the line. And seeing that the dates coincided and the areas coincided, okay, that it's now presumed that this was a monkey, one of the monkey flights. So he found a dead radioactive chimpanzee, is what he found, and not, in fact, an alien. Right. I don't know which one would be weirder. I guess the alien would be more significant, I suppose. But just in terms of of the the surreal, insane nature of of these chimpanzee experiments. Right. Wasn't that the plot of uh, wasn't there a movie with Matthew Broderick that came out in the eighties about chimpanzees being uh, trained to fly through radioactive clouds? No. Really? Project X. What? Well inspired by it might have been inspired at least partly partly by this and then at the well, end. Yeah, it would be a weird coincidence. Yeah, um Matthew Broderick like rescues all the chimps and like they get one that flies that flies the plane out of the facility and then oh. they crash in Florida and the chimps just that. disappear into the forest. Um, these chimps, however, did not. They crashed in uh, Arizona and were badly burned and mistaken for creatures for creature. from another Portland, world. I, like, I got a tour of that place once on a family day, and I saw robot arms making machine guns atop tank treads. Whoa! And I was okay. like, "What? Th- you're showing me this part? What are you not showing me?" <laughs> they weren't showing you the little chimps that were going to drive them. There's a big, like, glass-walled warehouse inside, and you just see these things—just hundreds of little tank tread machines with machine guns on top of them being made by robot arms. Yeah, yeah. Stuff well, you gotta on. you gotta preserve freedom. I guess. I so. wonder if you get your memory wiped if you ever, you know, retire, or quit. Yeah. I'm sorry if we all get killed. Mike's subject to seizures. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's not anymore. Uh, not anymore. Okay. Well. Or you get sent in a little plane through atomic. <laughs> through atomic clouds. Yeah. 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 I mean, this was a time when they were. Um, when the atomic tests included things like, uh, you know, dogs being put in cages near the tests and, uh, you know, different uh, people literally standing underneath, right. uh, underneath an explosion. I mean, these, this is documented. Right. Yeah. Um, this is not, all, this is not the most unusual thing, but right. I think this was the only one that really we know of, uh, probably inspired a UFO yeah. sighting, which you know, a fairly credible one. We should do an episode sometime on, uh, was her name Eileen Wilson that did the Albuquerque Tribune story that won the Pulitzer about people being injected with plutonium? Oh, okay. Oh. That would, that sounds like another fun episode. Yeah, she wrote yeah. a book called The Plutonium Files about it. Well, yeah, I have that book actually. Yeah. I, I should too, read, I it. read it. Um, that would be good. We'll yeah. do that. Well, anyway, our, uh, our ape history does not uh, end there. Yeah. Um, it turns out, and I, I had heard about this place, the Alamogordo Primate Facility. At one time, the largest population of captive chimpanzees in the world, Whoa. right here in New Mexico. Um, who would have and, thought? Yeah, who would have thought, right? Well, uh, this was a facility that uh, it began its life as, once again, a site for uh, military uh, testing on chimpanzees. In this case, they were um, helping the space program by uh, doing various kinds of uh, tests on um, on primates to see how they stood up to uh, to being uh, subjected to uh, depressurization and so forth. Um, so in 1953, the same year that the Kirtland Air oh. Force-based uh, chimps were flying through radioactive clouds, the Holloman Aeromedical Field Laboratories Space Biology Branch imported more than 60 chimpanzees from Africa to use in biodynamic and aeronautical research. Um, and so it was from this population of chimpanzees that the very first hominid in space uh, was drawn. And that was Ham, the chimpanzee, 
HAM being an acronym that stands for Holloman Aeromedical. Um, he was three and a half years old, and on January 31st, 1961, he became the first, uh, the article I read said Chempo-Not, you can use that term if you like, uh, the first uh, primate to be <laughs> sent into space. Um, he was up there for 16 and a half minutes. Uh, during which time he performed simple tasks such as pulling levers and pushing buttons in exchange for a reward when he got the correct lever or button. He was given a, uh, a little banana-flavored tablet. And then when he got the wrong one, he was given an electric shock. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> um, however, he did his job very well. I, I don't know that he was given any electric shocks. And he, uh, he landed... Um, back on Earth safely with only a bruised nose, it says in the article. And he lived out the rest of his days in the Washington, D.C. National Zoo, died in 1983, and his remains, well, except for his skeleton, uh, were buried at Holloman Air Force Base. And uh, now can be you can now visit his grave at the International Space Hall of Fame in Alamogordo, New Mexico. Wait, wait, wait. What, they took his skeleton They took out? his skeleton out. do do that? Yeah. I guess you just you just start cutting and then pulling stuff out. And Wait, what happened to the skeleton? It doesn't say. It says that. Uh, oh no, it does say. I'm sorry. It, it's actually at the um, uh, the museum, the National Museum of Health. You can go see his skeleton. So all his all his soft bits were were are buried in uh, in New Mexico. Okay. I'm guessing it was a closed casket funeral. <laughs> yeah, here's a pile of chimp <laughs> chimp parts. Um, now, he was not the only chimpanzee to go into space. There was another one afterwards that you don't hear about quite as much. His name was Enos. He was the, uh, the second hominid or primate in space. Uh, he basically was uh, subject to the same kind of uh, training or whatever that Ham was. He came from Holloman Air Force Base as well. And he flew in the Mercury Atlas V on November 29th, 1961. He was scheduled to complete three orbits around the Earth, but he only did two. And the reason he only did two was two things were going on. One, like Ham, he was being subjected to a reward-punishment system of pulling levers and pushing buttons, and the idea being that he would get rewarded for the correct lever pulls and punished with an electric shock for the wrong ones. However, the... Uh, the system malfunctioned, and he was given electric shock for correct ones as well as incorrect ones. But little Enos was uh, was quite the trooper and kept attempting to do correct ones, and he was shocked a total of 76 times, Jeez. during which the uh, capsule was overheating to a dangerous level. So you can imagine this poor this chimp was tortured. just freaking terrorized and tortured. traumatized. Um, and they decided that uh, there was no point in uh, that it wasn't worth whatever publicity they were going to get to send him around three times because it would probably kill the chip. So they canceled the third orbit, came back to Earth. He was uh, he he survived the landing. Um, however, uh, it was kind of a, a big embarrassment for them all. And then he died uh, later, uh, one year later, of shigalosis-related dysentery, which apparently had nothing to do with the space flight. However, he was not um, buried with any sort of honor or anything like that. In fact, nobody's really sure what happened to his remains. Uh, he was simply cast off. So, Chucked him into an 
chucked him into the incinerator. You gotta keep his skeleton and his <laughs> muscles together. Yeah, I guess so. We don't we don't know what happened to Enos, but uh, we here at City on the Edge podcast salute. Yes. Salute Enos and the terrible, terrible things that happened um, to him and, and wish to apologize to a spirit on behalf of all nature, humanity. Nature, get, get us back for all of this stuff, just gradually warm the planet up till we can't live here. Yeah, I mean, it can't, couldn't have been fun to be a chimpanzee orbiting Earth at all. You know, like, the first thing, I'd imagine it was kind of a, an alarming experience. And then to not only do that, but, like, have the... Uh, have the things that you think you're going to get your banana pellets for turn into electric shocks. It's just uh, that's so awful. Sad. Man, yeah, oh, sorry, <laughs> you have to speak closer into the yeah, mic. exactly. Wiping the tears off. I, am. I know, so I know. You know, because chimps are really smart. They're so intelligent. We share like 98% DNA with them. You know? Hence their usefulness for certain kinds of experiments is so the idea, like, right? They're very similar to right. us. Well, the good news is that um, as far as the National Institute of Health is concerned, it now is. Um, however, before we get to that point, uh, the facility at uh, Alamogordo um, was used for... I mean, it still exists today. There are 150 chimps still there. At its high point, it had around 1,000 uh, between the facility in Alamogordo and another one in, um, in White Sands. After the end of the primate-related uh, space research program, um, it was taken over by a guy called uh, Colston, um, Frederick Colston, a toxicologist, who uh, used this uh, population of chimpanzees for various kinds of uh, either biomedical research. Um, he leased them out to other companies for things like cosmetics or insecticide exposure. Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't a good life for chimpanzees in uh, in uh, Alamogordo. I read somewhere that he thought of them as cattle. Yeah. Like he would just breed a ton of them to right. op, you know. Yeah, he was experiment he, on. Yeah, he was not any kind of he didn't it was not sympathetic to their mm-hmm. plight and many chimpanzees are recorded uh, as having died from various things that, you know, should have been should have been caught like overheating in the facility right. to 150 degrees. Like three of them died that way. One died from a series of electric shocks. Like these were definitely tortured. Mm-hmm. Um, and for many, many years they were tortured. However, in, uh, in 1996, uh, Colston lost his, uh, he, he was no longer able to uh, perform tests on the chimpanzees at this site and it was taken over by the National Institute of Health. Um, oh, poor evil torturer. Sorry, <laughs> sorry dude. Yeah. Um, well, he was charged with the deaths of, uh, of Jello and Echo, the chimpanzees, mm-hmm. in 1998. Uh, in 19... Let's see. So the... Uh, I'm trying to see here exactly when. Oh, the National Institutes of Health stopped their funding in um, of the Colston Foundation in 2000, at which point the ownership of the 288 Colston chimpanzees were transferred to the National Institute of Health. Um, and a number of the chimpanzees were at this point transferred to uh, either facilities, you know, like uh, humane facilities, or um, other facilities that uh, performed research on them um, until uh, outcry uh, reached a point, um, outcry, from the an- outcry from the animal rights community reached a point where the uh, National Institute of Health thought it was probably best to get rid of all their chimps at the Alamogordo facility. 
At first, they were planning on sending them to San Antonio, the Southwest National Primate Center, um, which is another research facility. Uh, but uh, again, there was uh, enough of an outcry that, uh, that they decided against doing that after sending a few chimps over there. Um, and in 2010, 186 were, uh, were, uh, were at, the, um, at the facility and uh, the National Institute of Health re re uh, stopped leasing them to any other sort of uh, research. Um, and as of September 27th, 2016, the final 140, uh, it has been announced that they will be moving to a place called Chimp Haven mm -hmm. in Florida, and, uh, and hopefully they can live out some sort of happy life in a sort of sanctuary environment. Right. So, so recently. Yeah, wow. yeah, this is uh, still kind of affecting our world today. Get so. it together, humans. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, what sucks is that we, like, benefit directly or indirectly from all sorts of animal testing, and so it, it muddies the water so much when you think, like, well, if, like, when my kid was really sick and yeah. they benefited from this medicine, would I be okay right. with that? Like, well, and a lot of it probably, was uh, helping fight malaria. You know, they used they tested out different kinds of vaccines and so forth, and learned about the disease through studying the effects on chimpanzees. Um, I figure it's up to your own kind of personal morality to decide whether that's that's worthwhile or not. Um, certainly, malaria is awful. Sure, but yeah. there's got to be better ways. Now we have computer models and all sorts of things well, like that. that and that's this amazing. facility is yeah. is being shut down. Good. So hopefully, that signals a shift away from. Uh, from using this kind of testing, I hope anyway. I hope so too. I mean, it's not like I mean, there's just yeah, this sort of wide-scale cruelty is going on in so many forums all around the world. It's like I mean, there's like farms in Russia to harvest bear bile where they're just hooking oh, yeah. to tubes all the time. Oh, I mean, th things like that, like that are just so horrifying. Right. Well, and then right as a meat yeah. eater, I'm like, do I have a leg to stand on? Right. To right. Yeah. Yeah. Not be into this. Yeah, That's for somebody else's podcast to figure oh, that out. Yeah. I think. <laughs> oh, it's, no, it's you know, a, a lighter animal testing story. Okay, <laughs> yes. Like if, if, if there's such a thing um, that's still kind of a gross violation of people's personal rights. Uh, and, or and animals' animal. personal rights or people's well, personal rights? both. Um, in, I read this book called The Pre-Astronauts. Really mm. interesting about, like, before the Apollo program, the experiments that were being done in Alamogordo mm. and elsewhere, including, like, um, Joe Kittinger's uh, ascent to, the, um, to 21 miles above the Earth and, like, his parachute... Mm jump in 1960 uh, fascinating book the pre-astronauts i'm trying to remember the guy's name that wrote it craig something um but uh anyway apparently for a while they were testing it on cats they were like sending cats up above the earth like 20 miles above the earth and then parachuting them back down in these pressurized <laughs> chambers but they would get their cats just they would drive around alamogordo and kind of pick up cats yeah anywhere, stray cats, cats. Mm. right and then they would send them up into orbit and uh like you know make some observations and then the cats would parachute back down and then they would release them back in the same neighborhoods. But I just like, I'm amused by the thought. Of <laughs> they would release them back in the same neighborhood. Yeah. I'm amused by the thought of these cats just like hiding under a bed the rest of the day. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> they've seen the earth from the <laughs> You know, cats have been disappearing downtown. Oh, you know wow. that nextdoor.com? Oh, where yeah. You There's so many disappearing cats and people are starting to think. Something Somebody's testing it. them. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Dogs. Haven't dogs been dying mysteriously on the yeah. west side too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah um, oh man. And then a few years ago, the dogs were being supposedly 
taken uh, to dogfight arenas. Really? Yeah. And now there's clowns wandering around. Probably the clowns are stealing the cats. And someone else was telling me that teenage girls are all disappearing around southeastern New Mexico. Oh, seriously? For real? Yeah. And and there's some, might be connected to this. Well, anyway, uh, speaking, let's let's yeah. get back to uh, chimpanzees, yeah, yeah. and and Mike actually has a uh, has a, a kind of a fascinating one of the strangest yeah. stories of uh, of was the chimpanzees in this case, in uh, yeah. yeah in uh, in New Mexico. So uh, let's uh, let's go ahead and you want to set us up for that? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I wrote an article some time ago for uh, East Mountain Living about the Tejeres Monkey Cave. There's this cave in Tejeres. It's actually not a not a natural cave. It was made by UNM to bore the, um, just to bore out a huge sample and, and test the rock, and they were going to teach geology students things about the area and so on. And uh, anyway, there was an, uh, an animal testing facility in Albuquerque, kind of an infamous one in the 70s. There were a number of things written about it in various mm-hmm. animal rights publications. And um, uh, uh, managed to escape and headed to this cave up in the mountains where they lived All for right. about a year in freedom. Let's go into side. that. Most people familiar with the narrow and meandering curves of South Highway 14, in particular with the miles of it between the villages of Tejeres and Cedro, will likely also be familiar with the passing site of a small round cave just southeast of the Tejeres Ranger Station. Opening from an orange-gray cliff over a high desert valley in the Manzano Mountains, the cave extends about 25 feet into the rocky wall and never stretches more than about three feet across. That cave is actually a horizontal test pit dug decades ago by UNM geology students. Though its origins may be artificial, its nickname hints at a very real and very unusual history. In early 1973, scientists with Albuquerque's Loveless Foundation at Kirtland Air Force Base conducted a series of experiments on a group of monkeys, rhesus macaques. In laboratory tests since immortalized by such papers as Delayed Match to Sample Early Performance Decrement in Monkeys After 60 CO Irradiation, and by at least one animal rights website, These pink-faced, two-foot-tall monkeys were strapped to plastic chairs for five days at a time while tests were run, testing their abilities to escape from painful shocks while subjected to increasingly higher levels of radiation. Needless to say, the monkeys didn't like all that. Increasing scientific knowledge evidently felt unimportant to them because in August of 1973, five of the monkeys, all of them juveniles, made a break for it. According to a May 8, 1974 Albuquerque Tribune article, A female monkey opened the cage door and let them go, after which they didn't stop until they got to the mountains. Once free in the Manzano Mountains, the monkeys soon found the cave whose nickname would be their legacy. For food, they dined on juniper berries and the leaves of prickly pears. They swung happily from nearby trees, scampered playfully up and down the surrounding cliffs, and spent nights huddled together in the cave and on rocky ledges for warmth. During a September 2000 field trip down South 14 with the Historical Society, Member Chuck Van Gelder remembered reacting with disbelief when friends who lived in the area at the time told him they'd seen monkeys with shaved heads running across South 14, wrote Denise Tessier in the East Mountain Historical Society's January 2001 newsletter. Locals have also recalled leaving bananas and other food for the monkeys, and one man, Dennis Lucero, remembers luring one into his truck. Oh, that sucker tore out all the truck's upholstery, Lucero said, and I gave him a beating and threw him out. 
In January of 1974, two UNM anthropology students began observing the monkeys as a mountain primate colony. In February, the Loveless Foundation gave the monkeys to the university, stating that the animals were no longer suitable for their research. Numerous attempts to capture the animals soon followed, since their recurring road crossings threatened the safety of motorists, and since the growing monkeys had been wearing tight, chain-link collars when they escaped. It was not until April and May of 1974, however, that the monkeys were finally rounded up, thanks mainly to tranquilizers hidden inside some food. The monkeys were treated for minor frostbite, and then allegedly released in some other, more isolated part of the state. Today, perhaps another New Mexico landscape is soundtracked by simian chatter, but at Monkey Cave, there is only birdsong and the hush of traffic. Caves, monkeys, monkeys and caves. Monkeys and, and caves. So where exactly is this uh, is this cave? Where can people see? Well, it? like okay, so uh, if you know Tejeras, east of Albuquerque. Okay. Um, do you know where the Tejeras Ranger Station is in in Tejeras Pueblo? That, yeah, that area. I think so. I think so. There's an old, uh, uh, very interesting old pueblo there, unexcavated. People like get all excited to go see this pueblo, what? but it's just mounds for the mounds, most part, and a visitor yeah. center. But uh, a little ways past that, heading on South 14 uh-huh. uh, in, into the Manzanos. Um, and uh, if you just look on your left, you'll, you'll just see this little black hole down in this, this cliff face there. And I saw it for years and, and had heard rumors of this and so oh, on. The and monkey. I, and I, <laughs> yeah, and mainly I'd heard the name. Yeah, yeah Monkey Cave. Yeah, the monkey, uh... monkey Cave, The Monkey Cave. Like <laughs> I'd, I'd heard, heard that tossed around. And so I had always been curious about it. And then I saw that East Mountain Historical Society newsletter, and I met Dennis Lucero, this really cool guy who, who was a big help to me um, okay. putting my book together. Um, and he told me the story. I don't like that he beat the monkey. <laughs> I gave him a beating and threw him out. Oh, but, well. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, if it's if it's, <laughs> if it's destroying your car, I guess you got to do what you got to do to get it out. But, but um, <clears throat> anyway... Uh, yeah, and so it's it's really easy to see and find uh-huh. and, and walk to. It's very close to the road. It's it's also kind of underwhelming. It's fun for kids yeah. to play in, but and but, um, you know, it's one of those places you go and and you think about the fact that monkeys right, lived there for right. a while. Right, how, how long like did they live year. there? About a year. About a year. Yeah, and they were observed mm-hmm. living there. That's uh, kind of interesting. I heard other stories too. I heard stories about them being just like really torpid during the winter because they were so they were oh, cold. Yeah, and uh, that makes sense. they would just be kind of like huddling there, shivering, and. Uh, and stories about them, uh, about about locals stopping and leaving fruit and other things for them. They became kind of like a local attraction yeah, in a way. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, what else? And uh, but the, various things. Something that caught my attention at the end there is you said that they got released somewhere else in the New Mexico wilderness. Yeah, What's that about? I have tried to find information on that. I think I found a mention of southern New Mexico. I'm so skeptical of it. Yeah, it seems like that would be irresponsible for right. anyone to have done that. Um, like, I know that kind of thing happens. Like, when... I, when uh, Many years ago, when I was a totally different person in a different stage of my life, I did a cross-country hike on the East Coast. And um, when we were walking through Florida, there was an area where there were just tons of monkeys in the trees. Yeah. And they were the descendants of 
uh, monkeys that had escaped from a Tarzan film in the 30s. Oh, really? And they were just living out there in Florida. Yeah. Um, but that's more like an environment where they would breed right, and you right. know, become feral. Right, right, yeah. Whereas New Mexico would be hostile, I would think, to totally, any, yeah. any kind of population. I think those things were, they were euthanized and yeah. the end and the story was released to the public. I would be, I, I, I'd like to hear more evidence on it. I hope I'm wrong. You know, it yeah. might be, there are sanctuaries around it yeah. might be that they were brought to a sanctuary um yeah like the uh the chimpanzees at uh, alamogordo right. but um yeah that some someone else should research that i guess I, it totally <laughs> yeah I, I do like the sort of like real life rats of nim yeah type, type storyline that's sure there, yeah. sure or uh you know planet of the apes yeah but either Pretty either cool. they would die like yeah. Within like two years, because it sounds like they weren't even doing too well. No, know, yeah, they during were during the one year or struggling along, and or they'd find some niche and just run roughshod so, over so, oh, yeah. over some <laughs> native population, destroy toads <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, it's it's such a weird story. Uh, the um, but it, w- one thing I like about the story is I think it's it's kind of uncommon. Like people don't. That's a really weird local story. That's a really strange one, and it, it actually has a connection with the. Um, the uh, story that Nora told earlier uh, about the about the uh, the monkeys flying the drones. Oh, really? Um, I did some more research after we spoke. This we're actually recording this a little while after, yeah. um, and they it, they were in fact macaques uh, okay. raised at Kirtland. So oh. uh, maybe that was the same population. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow, that's so crazy. What a, it's such a yeah, it's such a strange story. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess we have a long a long history with these. <laughs> with with monkeys and apes in New Mexico, going back to so a common crazy. primate ancestor. Right, the, right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. So, but but I recommend people go up there and check it out. It's fun to sit in that cave and and think about that that yeah. test hole or whatever it is. Definitely. Yeah, that's um. I don't know. Any other thoughts on this? No, no? not really. I think uh, we're ready to wrap it up and uh, really maybe start episode. talking about <laughs> uh, next episode. All right, um, yeah. What's so this leading into? Well, uh, mysterious creatures in the hills outside of, Mon- of the Monsanos, oh, scraping, nice. scraping along the ground, undoubtedly making sounds. In this case, it turned out to be monkeys. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, 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 uh, a question caught my eye on uh, the Albuquerque subreddit where a woman oh, asked, what, what could be making the sound outside of her door that's making her dog bark all night long? Ah. And she wondered if it might be paranormal. Oh, nice. So I Excellent. thought we would look into it and see what kind of paranormal creatures uh, might be lurking out Excellent. there in New Mexico. So check in next time for our Halloween episode. We'll, we'll look at things like uh, El Basadisco, yeah. uh, La Llorona, El Cucuy, mm-hmm. other, other famous New Mexico. Totally. Uh, I don't know what you'd call them. Yeah, entities, stories that, made uh, up to scare children. That out might of doing be, s- things. yeah, or <laughs> or just scare your dog. Right, right, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, or that, yeah. All right, you never know. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I know I don't believe any of this stuff in the cold light of day ever. But like <laughs> once in a while, when you're camping, stuff can be creepy. Oh, yeah, you know, you just, you're just like, well, who knows what's out there. Um, so. Yeah, that, okay, that'll be a, that'll be a good one. Um, and if you have any listeners, if you have any uh, stories. Related to any of the topics that we ever talk yeah. about on here, just email us or Facebook us or Twitter at us, whatever. Yeah, we've you know. gotten some interesting ones, and I think we should, uh, we yeah. should start talking about those sometime soon. But totally, yeah. I think that's, yeah, it's, um, I've been pleased to see the, the responses on social media. Though a lot of times, I gotta say, kind of sounds like people didn't listen to the episode. <laughs> they're just, they're just <laughs> chiming in on the thumbnail or yeah, whatever. But then you get the guys. Uh, <laughs> 
Roland. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who's been oh, yeah. writing on our wall yeah, lately. He's cool. And he, he's got great stories about New Mexico, and he's really, like, sort of plugged into the history. That's here. true, yeah. He's got a lot of good stuff. And he came to our so live event. We do like to... Uh, we do like to yeah. Awesome. Thanks, right. everybody. Well, let's wrap it on up.